We've been in the book of Ephesians. You see the title of the message there on the screen. Uh, last Sunday night, uh, we talked about what it meant to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But tonight, we're going to consider why it is that we need the full armor of God in order to be strong in the Lord. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against, I'm sorry, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. I have three reasons that I think that you need God's armor. They come from this passage of Scripture, very practical. It's right here in God's Word. First, I need God's armor because of the powers that are arrayed against me. Now, Paul says that we're in a struggle and the word that he uses here describes a particular kind of struggle. At this point, he's not <clears throat> describing that arrows are being shot at us or anything of the sort. It's much more intimate than that. You know, in an army where people are shooting arrows, they don't really know who they're shooting at. They're far enough away. You've seen those old programs on TV where those, uh, in those ancient wars where they're probably... I don't know how many yards away they are from one another, but they're just shooting those arrows up, hoping they'll fall and hit somebody. Sometimes they might be close enough, but the arrows are just basically so many of them falling at random that they're bound to hit somebody. This is not that. This is not somebody shooting arrows at me from a distance. This struggle actually comes from a word that means a contest between two people in which each endeavors to throw the other and in which... The, is and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his appointed, opponent down with his hand upon the neck. That is the meaning of that word struggle. It is between two. It is personal. It is intimate. And so it's pictured by this battle between two human enemies. But your enemy, your enemy, my enemy is not a human enemy. And the forces arrayed against you is not comprised by a human army. So we're engaged in a very real battle. I think that you would admit that you find yourself in it. I find myself in it. And if you're a true child of God, you know the reality of this struggle. Last week we said if you don't have any problem with the devil then you're probably going the same way he is. But if you're trying to be the person that God wants you to be, then you're going to be involved with this struggle. You find yourself being attacked by something outside yourself. What is that? 
That's what we want to try to discover. Well, in verse 12, Paul tells me that I have these powers. I have these powers that are arrayed against me. The forces of the devil, the forces of wickedness, the forces of evil, the forces of demons have arrayed themselves against you and me. So that's what grips us. That's what attacks us. That's what leads us, draws us, lures us sometimes into some of the darkest thoughts and activities. So Paul's talking about this, this most destructive power and and how it has attacked men down through history. From the very beginning, we go all the way back to the garden. And who do we find in the garden? We find the devil. We find the serpent, as he's called in the Bible. And we find him attacking Eve, the very first thing. And so uh, it brings rebellion against God. It did in the garden. These powers do. It brings hatred between men. uh, And it's caused by the devil and is an attack on you by the devil. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's why I need the full armor of God. So what are these powers? Well, Paul describes them here as a hierarchy of evil. There are levels and there are layers. There is an evil that we can see. We don't have to look far to see it. Roaming the streets and the alleys, recognizable. But there's also another layer, not so recognizable, but belonging to this hierarchy of evil nonetheless. The Bible says the devil himself can disguise himself as an angel of light. Go back to the garden and you think about Eve and the influence of the devil upon Eve. Did did he seem evil to her? Did his suggestions at the moment seem evil to her? No, the Bible says that it seemed pleasing to her eyes. It seemed desirable for food and it seemed to be helpful to make one wise. Such is the hierarchy of evil, sometimes recognizable, ugly, and frightening, sometimes just the opposite, but nonetheless evil. And so Paul describes this. He talks about these powers that are arrayed against me, rulers and powers exercising their influence, pushing their agenda, the world forces of this darkness, levels of demonic leadership at work in men, in governments, in high places, and in low places. We see that. All you have to do is watch the news, and you say, how could people think like that? How could they do such things? How could they legislate in such a way? Just abortion. How could they do it? How could they do it? It is because of the principalities and the powers, the layers of demonic leadership that are not only at work in and around us, but even in our governments, in high places in government, but in higher places at unseen levels that we can't see and that we don't know about. We'll talk about that in a moment. But why are these powers arrayed against me? It is only for one reason. I'm a child of God. God has an investment in me. God has a plan for me. Why does the devil want to attack me? He wants to attack me because he hates God. He hates God's plan for me. 
He wants to hurt God, and he wants to hurt me. That's the whole purpose. Now, the world forces of this darkness are, uh, are but a manifestation of yet a higher level of wickedness that you and I know very little about. And Paul labels it here. He says it's the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We were talking earlier today. I was talking to Ed back there this morning. We were talking about uh, what uh, some describe as the pre-cosmic fall. Something happened when, uh, when the devil rebelled against God, uh, when he was an angel. We don't understand all of that. The Bible just tells us that it happened. And so there are spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is an ongoing battle on a level that I can't see and you can't see a struggle where arrows fly and swords clash and were we to hear the noise of it and were we to catch a glimpse of it we would likely tremble all of these levels are part of the hierarchy of evil orchestrated under one foul leader the devil uh, he's called in the bible belial the lord of the flies the king of corruption the serpent of old the dragon abaddon apollyon the roaring lion why do I need God's armor? Because I have these powers arrayed against me. Things I can't even begin to understand. Evils I can't begin to understand. That's why I need God's armor. Second, I need God's armor because of the strategies employed against me. Paul said the devil has schemes. And the word schemes is basically the Greek word from which we get our English word methods. If I pronounced it, it would sound very much methodios. It's methods, the methods. But the word means uh, to follow up or investigate by method and settled plan. You got a plan. You got a plan. A plan. I got a blueprint. I've got a list that I'm going to check off of some things that I'm going to do. But that word not only means that, it means a plan by cunning art, deceit, craft, trickery. So you think about that. The devil has a blueprint. Remember, we're talking about our struggle, your struggle, my struggle, very personal struggle intimate struggle between two the devil and me well maybe it's not the devil maybe the devil just said we're going to send a red-headed demon to eddie davidson today because we know what red-headed demons do to him and so we're sending one today to attack him he has a plan he has a blueprint consider his plan to destroy job don't think he didn't have one uh step by step one tragedy after another came sweeping into Job's life from the hand of the devil. We know that. Not only was there tragedy in Job's life, but Job was also taunted by the devil, taunted by him through his wife. The devil attacked him in that way. We also know that he was taunted by the devil through his friends, all to make him question the God who loved him. That was Job. That was his plan for Job. What about Peter? 
Jesus warned Peter. He said, Satan has desired, demanded permission to have you that he might sift you like wheat, to, to sift him, to separate him from his Lord while the powers of darkness that surrounded him worked to crucify Jesus. And even afterwards, the devil condemned him and crushed him for his own guilt. He also has a strategy, a blueprint, a plan that he will employ personally against you. That's why you need the armor of God. Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I need God's armor because of these powers that are arrayed against me. Powers that are stronger than me, mightier than me. I dare not cast a railing accusation against the enemy. Michael the archangel didn't, but rather said, the Lord rebuke you. I am to resist, but I am to resist wearing the full armor of God. Not only so, but because of the strategies employed against me. The devil has a plan, a scheme. But third, probably you've never thought about it. I need the full armor of God because I need to be ready for the evil day. Do you see that in this passage of Scripture? He says, therefore, verse 13, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand. What is that day? Is that day some day in the end time that is yet to come? It may be. But first you need to be ready for the evil day that the devil has planned against you. You see how he planned it against Job. He gained permission from God to throw at Job whatever he could. You also, we just mentioned, the evil day that he planned for Peter. This man who had pledged, who had promised, I'm going to be committed and not compromised. God, I will die with you. But on a cold night around a fire, he denied that he knew him as the devil sifted him. And what of that evil day of all days when the devil visited Adam and Eve in the garden? And what of that evil day on a rooftop when David looked over the rooftop at Bathsheba? And what of that evil day when the devil tempted Jesus, offering him all the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down and worship him? The devil had an evil day planned for them when he pulled out all the stops and that day will come for you if it has not come already. When the devil will put up, pull out all the stops, the, the blueprint is drawn, the calendar is marked, the alarm is set, he will come to steal, to kill, and to destroy to separate you from God, to separate you from your family, to separate you from the church, from the people of God. So Paul said, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Now, What is God's armor? We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come, but just simply know it's the protective power of God protecting your mind and protecting your heart and your soul against the, the attacks of the enemy. But tonight I, I close with this, and I want you to remember this because this is important. Because all of us have had, if you're old enough, 
and spiritually sensitive enough to know it, all of us have had an evil day when the devil got the best of us. Wasn't a very good day, was it? But though the enemy has these powers arrayed against me, though he has a blueprint for my destruction and a day on his calendar planned for attack, God has promised in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Though he pull out all the stops, though he execute his plan to persecute my soul, leaving me shattered in defeat, God will not leave me to the enemy. God leaves no child of his at the mercy of the enemy. David wrote in Psalm 130, verse 4, There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. To me, that's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. There is forgiveness with thee, God, that thou mayest be feared. There will be battles lost. You will lose battles. I will lose battle. But the great battle has ultimately been won. It was God who turned the captivity of Job. It was the Lord Jesus who sought out Peter after he had fallen. It was God who came walking in the garden after that evil day when Adam and Eve fell, not because he didn't know what had happened or wanted to know where they were. He wanted them to know that he had a plan to redeem them after the fall. Whatever has happened in your life that has left you defeated at the feet of the enemy, God's desire is for you to be restored and he wants to put his armor on you so that you will live to fight another day. He will not leave you behind enemy lines. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. We need God's armor because their powers arrayed against us that are greater than us. There are strategies employed against us to trick us, to deceive us. And there's an evil day when the devil's going to put it all together and put up, pull out all the stops for which we need to be ready. Let's pray.